the redemption story, the good versus evil story, is the theme in most of the movies that do great things in the box office. Same theme told with a different color suit or in a different time or in a different experience. But it's always the good versus evil, the redemption story, the hero risen up. Oh, come on, it's all there. But today, it was about the young one who said, you want the impossible. You desire something that is out of my reach. Yes, Church, if we don't desire what is beyond our reach, we don't need Jesus. If you don't desire what is outside of your reach, you don't, you don't need Him because it's all within your grasp, right? But well, how, how much faith does it take? What if I believe this much? Then that's the much you'll get. Alright? That's the much you'll get. But here's the incredible thing about Jesus and His blessings and His love and His grace. His mercies are new every morning. His river never runs dry. His love is boundless. So let that sit and let's read. Two small stories and a challenge as Jesus talks to the church people. These are people who've been following for a while. These are people who've been listening for a while. There are some Pharisees and Sadducees and some teachers of the law sitting in the crowd along with other followers. Then Jesus asked, What is the kingdom of God like? What can I compare it to it is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his garden it grew and became a tree and the birds perched in its branches again he said what else shall I compare the kingdom of God to it is like the yeast it's important to know here that it is the leaven that would have been said back then. The leaven that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds or three loads is what it's called of flour until it worked all the way through the dough. Now we're going to stop because Jesus moves forward there. So we have two comparisons and those comparisons are to help us understand, all right, the kingdom of God. Now, first, we have to address the kingdom of God. In this case, we are not talking about heaven. That's not what we're talking about here. We're also not simply talking about an idea or about a location, all right? We are talking about the workings of God inside the hearts of His people. We are talking about what happens when a life is made new and the combination of that life made new as Johnny and I connect, as Chris and Eva and Johnny and I connect, 
as NBC begins to connect, as the community of believers in Christ without Methodist, Baptist, Presbyterian, black, white, red, green, without the boundaries that we put. It is the connection of the family of God together in Christ. What does the movement and power of God in the hearts of His people look like? Okay? That's where we are. That's what we're describing here. He said, well, it looks like a mustard seed. He said, I understand right now that on the outside, and that's what we're talking about first, mustard seed is physical, something we can see. It's the outside, okay? You need to think about that first. He said, I realize that our movement looks small. Certainly, Certainly, as we move through town, there are large crowds. But outside of, of, of our Capernaum community, outside of Jerusalem, in Rome and beyond, there are way more unbelievers than there are believers. There is way more pushing against us than there are people pushing for us. Just because the story we read in Luke concentrates on a very small group of people, the world, the kingdom of this world, is way larger than what is going on right here. Now, not here, here. And Jesus says, I need you to understand that I have eyes that you do not have. All right? And this is one of those times I need to jump back. This will be the fourth time in eight years I have, I have mentioned this song. One of my favorite songs ever written. It's called, God, I Need Your Eyes. All right? Sometimes we walk. Sometimes we crawl. Every now and then we fly. Way too often we fall. If you would call me good and faithful, I'd be surprised. But that's the problem with my vision. God, I need your eyes. When God sees the kingdom, when He looks out at this minute group of people, what does He want them to hear about what can happen? I've got it. You're, many of you are farmers. It's like a mustard seed. Now, we've, we've been taught and we've been told the mustard seed is the, the smallest seed. Listen, scientifically, that's not, that's not true. It is an exceptionally small seed. One of the smallest seeds that grows into one of the larger trees, right? But it is not, by scientific definition, the smallest seed. So I, I want to make that clear. But what Jesus is talking about is it is something that is absolutely tiny in comparison. You put a mustard seed next to an acorn, there's a massive comparison there, right? So what, we, what, we, what, we, what Jesus wants us to understand is, even if it's this small, when planted, when loved, when cared for, when allowed to become what it is to become, it will be beyond anything you can expect 
to the point, and Jesus' point is, that not only will it be a tree, it will be a tree which life makes its way into, which will hold other life up, which will protect other beings. It will become something mighty, something visible, something life-giving through its leaves, through its branches, through that which will live in it. It is way beyond anything you can imagine. Then he says, I've got another idea because he's done the outer. He's got to do the inner. And he says, you know, it's like leaven. And everybody in the room right then would have gone, the kingdom of God is like leaven. Because if you look through the Bible, there's a lot of other times when leavening is compared to evil things right? It's not used for God. It's used to represent the man or the things of this world, right? But in this case, he says, no, no, it is like leaven and what we use is yeast, all right, mixed into what this calls three loads or 60 pounds of flour. They know that you would take what we call a starter, all right, pizza places would know this, especially old school ones. You just keep a little bit, all right, and it continues to work. So you would have put this in for the loaf for one family, but Jesus says 60 pounds, three loads, that's 100 people's worth of bread. I didn't know that till this week. I'm reading through and I'm like, oh, I thought it was just dough. That's a real cool analogy. No, this is a hundred people. This is 25 families worth of bread. If you get that little bit of yeast in there and you work it, do you hear this? You work it all the way through the dough, right? If you've ever had unleavened bread, all right, that bread has no rise, it has no chew, it is firm and basically a cracker. But when the yeast gets in, and I'm going to add something in here in just a second. When the yeast gets inside the dough and gets worked into all the parts of the dough, it begins, all right, to expand. And the gluten, I know a lot of us are gluten-free, but it's, look, the gluten inside the bread holds these air pockets inside. The gas that is created cannot escape around the, the sticky gluten. And so they're caught in the middle. And then it rises up and we punch it down and it rises up again, doubling in size. Then you put it in the oven and those gases expand and the bread hardens and those things are inside the bread giving it its fluffiness, all right? Here's one more piece. Something small creates internally something magnificent, but I want you to hear this, something that I know. Any of you who bake bread know you have to feed the yeast. Have you ever put yeast in a, in a bowl and, and, and seen it foam a little bit and then put it in bread and the bread just didn't rise? You need a little bit of sugar. Just a little sprinkle of sugar. All right? And the yeast begins to come alive and start to eat. It's the difference between I think I smell bread and holy cow, somebody's making bread, all right, that starts to bubble up at the top, makes a massive difference. Let me tell you something. If you feed the kingdom inside you, 
it will make a massive difference in the growth in your life. There's an old analogy, all right, about uh, bad wolves and good wolves, all right, and how it's a story about how you uh, deal with the one inside you. You know, it's, 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 the, it's the based on the little angel on this shoulder and the little devil on this shoulder. And the last line is, well, how do you know which one's going to live and which one's going to die? And the old Indian man says, the one that you feed. Let me ask you a question, church. What are you feeding in your life? What is getting the most attention in your spirit? The, people say, well, Craig, don't crack down on the type of TV show I watch. Craig, don't crack down on the kind of music I listen to. And I tend to stay away from that kind of conversation. But in this case, the sermon leads me to tell you that no matter what you think, the words say or don't say. I mean, have you ever heard this from your children? I just like the beat. I don't care about the words, I just like the beat. But I can still go back into my childhood and run through things like I'm down with the one that's known as the son of the G to the O to the D, never done with flow and the no and the go like pro enough choke because I ain't in the business for the dope. I still know them in my, y'all didn't know I could do that, did you? I, they don't know what it means, a DZ talk, that's who that was, all right? It's the fast line, all right? So, I, I, but I know them today, that's 20 years ago or more, all right? And you guys can do that too. You can go back to DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Beastie Boys and you know the words. So here's what I'm saying. You can say, what are, what are you feeding, right? What are you feeding? What is what is going into you growing? You have to ask that question, all right? So Jesus says, I need you to understand. Ready? that if you'll just believe, and almost like it plays out through all of the Scripture, if you'll just believe without seeing. Now faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not see. With conviction, Yoda reached out his hand. And he knew that plane was coming out. It wasn't a question of whether or not he could do it. You asked the impossible. No. With God, all things are possible. Do you believe it? What are the people around you feeding into it? Why is it that possibly church folks are the most difficult to get through to when it comes to it, we're about to hit it. Jesus went on through the towns and the villages, teaching on his way to Jerusalem. And someone asked him, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? One of the King James, uh, New King James versions has this phrase, will the saved be few? I love it. I'm going to tell you why in a minute. Will the saved be few? This is, by comparison, a small group, all right? 
is this all there is? Now, Jesus had the opportunity to get into a fantastically theological discussion here, right? He had the opportunity to teach us something all of us ask about and learn about, all right? Are there chosen and not chosen? Are the numbers already dictated or are they not dictated? Is the gospel for a few or is it for the masses? And how is it that you decide? Who is it that will win? Talk to me so I can have a comprehension on a level that satisfies me. And Jesus does something absolutely beautiful. Listen, you've heard it before, but you're going to hear it differently today. Make every effort. So Jesus turns away from answering the questions to offering suggestions, to giving commands. Hear me out. Make every effort. So instead of answering this guy's question, he says, I need you to do something. Make every effort to enter through the narrow door. Because many, I tell you, will try to enter and not be able to. Once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading, Sir, open the door. But he will answer, I don't know you or where you are from. Then you will say, okay, but we ate with you and you taught in our streets. What has Jesus been doing for the last 24 hours with the people he's talking to? Eating with them and teaching in their streets. He responds with something that encompasses these people's last 24 hours. Let me make this clear to you. People standing outside the door making a first plea and then with wide eyes and maybe tears, a second plea, but, 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 but I taught VBS for you. I was at art camp for you. I went to youth camp with you. I attended the Edge Conference with you. I wore my Connect bracelet for 50 weeks alongside you. I went to NBC on Main every Sunday for five years with you. But he will reply, I don't know you or where you come from, away from me. Hear that? Away from me. One more time. Away from me. You need a definition of hell, fire, I don't know. Darkness, I don't know. Pretty sure, but I don't know. Here's what I do know. Away from God. That's what hell is. And everything that God is exists not where you are sent. But I want to make something else very clear. God doesn't do the sending. God 
doesn't send people to hell. He does not. If I say to my son, son, if you walk out that door, I'm going to beat you within an inch of your life. The question is not what's outside the door or what's inside the door. If he walks out, I'm going to beat him for walking out. If he stays in, there is no beating. Am I the one who chooses to have him beaten or is he? There it is. You choose to have an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ or you do not. Nothing else matters. And on that day, he will know you or not know you or where you came from. You choose. Well, Craig, I've got lots of things I want to do in my life, so I am not going to choose. You just chose. You just chose. Do or do not do. There is no try. Jesus, no Jesus. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. There will be weeping there and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jesus throws the gauntlet down here. He is talking on purpose to the Jewish people. Remember when I told you at the beginning of Luke that they had to have a re-baptism, that they had to reform their thinking. All of the first few chapters was about John the Baptist trying to get the Jews to understand that being a good Jew wasn't enough. Being born into the Pharisaic religion was not enough. Memorizing the, the Torah was not enough. They had to rethink everything that they knew about this Messiah that they thought would come. Jesus is playing his hand right here. When you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you will be on the outside looking in at those you have learned about but unable to reach them. There will be weeping and gnashing because of what you thought you had. You cannot get to. It gets worse. People will come from the east and the west and the north and the south and take their place in the feast of the kingdom of God. This is Jesus saying, not only Will you see those who have gone before you and not be able to get there? People you thought weren't good enough, smart enough, white enough, black enough, Baptist enough, drunk enough, sober enough, prostitutionalized enough, virgin enough. People you thought didn't deserve it will walk right past you and take their seat next to them and you'll see it. He is salting the wound.
They put it another way. Whole lot of people think they be there, ain't gonna be there. And Jesus is saying in this passage, I ain't playing. And I ain't playing because you don't have time. The only way I know how to describe this, when the, when the owner closes the door, okay? Nobody on the outside has the ability to reach in and pull the door to. Only the owner of the house gets to push the door closed. Listen to me. The owner of the house is not limited by time, okay? So his timeline doesn't stop that way and doesn't stop that way. We see our lives in, we'll call it a hundred year sections, okay? But a hundred year section in eternity is a vapor. So when we say soon, it doesn't mean the same thing as when the eternal says soon. His soon could be a thousand years. It could be a second because soon to him just means not later. And so he says, the only way I know how to get you to understand it is when the door is closed, that is the end. Indeed, there will be those who are last who will be first. And those who are first who will be last. God's way of seeing. God's way of understanding. God's way of loving. God's way of, God's way of seeing everything is not our way. The single truth we have, single truth we have, is one simple step of faith and belief in Jesus can change our lives for eternity. Feeding that simple thing by believing that your life can change thousands, millions, is the story of the mustard seed and the leaven. Do you believe that we can have a thousand people in this church. You want the impossible. Do I? Do you believe our offering can surpass ten or twenty thousand dollars a week? You want the impossible. All things. All things are under His. How much do you believe? Or are you sitting on your bottom with your knees and your elbows together thinking to yourself, you want the impossible? Are you going to stand before the Lord and go, I don't believe it. That is why you fail. Not because you can't or because he can't.
but because not even that much of you believes he can. Let's pray. Plant within us a seed. Call, Holy Spirit, call the lost to you today. If you don't know Jesus, pray with me. Pray with Tim, Cy, Preston, somebody in your pew today. Please secure your place at the table before the door closes. And for those of us who have a place at the table, an undeserved place at the table, set within us a little yeast and let it rise within us. Let us see that the kingdom of God will expand beyond our wildest imaginations. In Jesus' name.